What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Duntas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome to the Move Local podcast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today are my two co-hosts, Donald and William. How are we doing today, fellas? Yeah, really, really hype. Um, it's been a great first week in, uh, in The Movement uh, physio clinic here, and it's, it's another beautiful week of summer. What have you guys been up to over there, Will? Well, you know, I've been... Spending a lot more time around here, which I can't complain about. <laughs> yeah, and good news, we haven't killed each other yet as like new business owners in the first week of opening up our space, <laughs> so that's a positive. Um, but we'll get back into another episode this week, guys. We have our fifth interview. Um, today we are talking with Eric Daigle. He is one of the founders of Site School here in Dundas, so we're going to have a nice little chat about that. So we'll welcome Eric to the show. Hey, hey, hey. I just leaned into the mic assuming I needed to, but probably don't. <laughs> I think you're good there. All right. Should we mention that this is a beautiful room that I'm in? Yeah. Like a massage room or a... It's a multi-purpose. Multi-purpose Podcast, room. massage maybe, <laughs> exercise. You can do both. Whatever you want. Why not? Yeah. Right? This is a new thing. What, uh, what do you think of the space? I think the space is unbelievable. Like just walking in, uh, the height of the ceilings sort of hit me first. And then uh, the pastels reminded me of Dawn. And, uh, and I just automatically felt that masculine feminine energy, you know, hitting me, which is actually great. I think it's a safe space and it certainly felt like welcoming right from the get go, which is what you want. I'm assuming. Well, well, totally. welcoming was, was the, was, uh, was the target. Was yeah. the plan. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely excited. And I think a good place to start is why don't you just do a little intro into, into yourself, maybe a little bit of background about who you are and then we can dive into like the site school stuff and how it got developed yeah i guess yeah i'm i'm new to dundas so i don't know about about yourselves but uh, i'm new as well it sort of surprised me how much i've fallen in love with this town in two years um i obviously knew about it 
but more as a suburb of Hamilton, but not realizing, and if you say that to the people in Dundas, you know, they'll, they'll get really upset because, you know, Dundas Forever flags are actually out there. This was literally, before it was part of Hamilton, this gorgeous sort of, well, it's known as the Valley Town. And the feeling I get driving into Dun to Dundas every time, whether I'm coming in from any direction, is literally that feeling of being held. And I know that sounds a bit silly, but because the escarpment is all around you, it just really feels peaceful. And it really feels like home, I guess. Yeah. So I felt uh, home in Dundas for the last few years and uh, was able in the last two years to kind of do what you guys are doing, which is to start a business um, from scratch. And in my case, it's a, it's a school, it's a high school, which is really, really strange to be uh, an educator 12 years in, and instead of be working for other people and other school boards, I actually thought, oh, what if I, what if I did this on my own? And I didn't do it on my own, thankfully, because that would have just gone down like a lead balloon. Um, I found an amazing uh, co-founder, Tony Evans, who runs the Montessori school in this town and has done so for 20 years. So he was my connection to the town and basically introduced me to, to this lovely community that you guys are starting to, to figure out. Yeah, and, and so you mentioned you've been in education for 12, 12 years. Is yeah. that, did that start out in, let's say, the traditional sense? Well, I, to be honest, I traveled for about 10 years before that. I sort of, I went to film school. Like I have the strangest path into what I'm doing now. Um, thought I'd become a filmmaker, kind of got bored with that in Toronto and decided to travel, which now in, in post-COVID world seems like a very strange thing. I don't, I, I hope that the, you know, the kids tomorrow or in the future will be able to travel again, but that seemed like the logical thing. This is going back to about 99 and just traveled the world and ended up living uh, with a girl in London, England for five years and then going to Australia for eight years. Um, got my Australian citizenship while I was there and was really in hospitality because the only way to kind of travel around was to kind of have, you know, bar jobs and I was a concierge and I was bartender. I was all these things and loving it, making tips and, and, and traveling around but then kind of got to that point where, okay, what's, am I gonna do the backup plan? Am I gonna go to teacher's college sort of thing? Um, and so did that in Australia and got a job right away. So started in public schools there. And when my wife and I came back to Canada, I couldn't get into public schools. They were, they were packed, it was like a waiting list. And so just by virtue of you know, trying to figure out what my next move was, ended up at a private school up in Rosso Lake, which is part of the Muskokas. And that ended up changing everything for me because it was this beautiful, there's a hundred kids. It's not a very big school, but we were doing outdoor learning. We were camping. Um, I very quickly got into new ideas uh, of how schools should be. And they promoted me, I guess, because I was loud or passionate or, or, or both. I don't know. And uh, became the curriculum director and then created something up there that's still running called Discovery Days, which is basically every Friday they decided let's not do school the way we imagine it let's have like projects and design things in the morning and in the afternoon let's do experiential learning let's go outside let's move let's do different things and that's still going today even after I left because it it was such a a way to differentiate that school but then it just felt like the right move um, for for how is education supposed to actually connect to kids these days that's great to see in high school, you know, because we, you know, they've moved 
they've moved a little bit towards that in, in earlier education finally, right? Um, but, but it's so cool to hear, hear that you were kind of, kind of pioneering that a little bit. Well, I used to be I used to be jealous, right? My sister is an elementary school teacher, and if you think about what they do, um, they do everything in one day and in one class. Like they'll take the kids out, they'll go collect leaves, they'll bring the leaves back, they'll turn them into, they'll trace them into art, then they'll discuss the science of the leaf, then they'll do a play about leaves falling off the tree, and you got your science, your drama, your art, you got all of that happening in an hour or two. And then for some reason in high school, we thought it was a good idea to separate all these subjects and to put people into these really boring square rooms where you're only gonna learn one thing at a time and never see the connections. And that always bugged me because I always felt like it, it limited the way we see the world. And I think you'd agree that we need new ways of seeing this world now if we're gonna sort of solve some of these challenges. So yeah, like obviously forest schools, which get get kids outside They're, they've been growing in popularity Montessori has never stopped growing in popularity and it's, it's I think the longest lasting independent um, framework for a school uh, over the past hundred years but then all sorts of other alternative things are coming up and because of COVID you know people are getting new ideas like homeschooling is starting to become mm-hmm. what if I you know got 15 of my closest friends as kids together and we formed a school rather than maybe going back to something that we're not quite sure is going to be safe. So I think the timing is right. Now, I didn't plan COVID. Uh, you know, I don't have any connections to China. Sure. I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but this was just this, na- again, it just felt like the right thing to do. I met the right person at the right time. And now we've got this school starting in Dundas, which is really an extension of the Montessori school that's already here. But because Montessori herself didn't, she didn't write a lot about this age group. She, you probably know her name because of smaller kids and smaller groups, and we both have kids that are in Montessori. Um, but she did write a few essays about what should school be like for kids that are 14 and up. Mm-hmm. And it really comes down to a few fundamental concepts. It's have them do purposeful work, so things that actually are real life, that are practical skills. Give them meaningful context. Like, don't just say, here's the math you need to learn because you, you have to. Like, what's the number one question we all had in high school? Why am I learning this? Yeah. Right? That's what we're trying to answer every single day. Well, you're learning this because of this. And we'll set you up with someone in the community who's doing this for real. So you get the experience of what an adult gets. Because we are going to treat you, and that's the last piece of the puzzle, is this idea of dignity in adolescence. Because... Since the teenage concept has been invented, and let's actually say the truth, it was invented. This was a 1950s concept after the baby boom, you know, marketed by actors like James Dean and and Levi's jeans and stuff like that to create a demographic of of people that could, that had a lot of money and a lot of buying potential. Um, But over the years, it's become like, oh, teenagers, teenagers. And how many shows have we seen on television where Teenagers are about rebellion or teenagers are about this, but they're not seen as real adults. They're not seen, seen as having contributions to society. And so we can't on one hand as, as, as a society complain that they don't have you know, kids these days. Kids these days don't care about community values or kids these days don't care about the elderly or kids these days. We can't say that and then at the same time look disparagingly at teenagers. So that's really why I wanted to form school. 
Yeah. I feel like I have so many questions. Yeah, me too. There's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot going through my mind. Um, I can want, talk. Do you want to in or do you want? Yeah, I, I was curious to uh, dive into this a little bit because I find, like, you know, obviously when you're doing something new that is clearly different, you're bound to get some resistance to it. So I would like to hear, you know, just have you experienced that and what about you keeps you motivated to continue to pursue it even though you might get some of that so how do i keep moving yeah (laughs) (laughs) i liked your little segue there no i think that's isn't that like that's the the perennial question for entrepreneurs right the perennial question for anyone that is creative it doesn't have to be in business it could really be anything um how do you get up and if not that the world's against you but let's put it more like the world's not necessarily there to cheer you on Right, you have to kind of make those possibilities happen, and I guess that's a really good question because I'm thinking the more I talk about it, like in situations like this, the more it seems real. And there's something about that idea that if you can find people to listen to your idea, if you can talk to like-minded people about things, it's like showing someone a draft and say, "What do you think? Is this does this sound good? Can you help me with my spelling or whatever?" The more you show people what you're doing more you talk about what you're doing I think the more contributions you get and you can see it very clearly in someone's eyes when you've le- when you've landed on a good idea because their body changes like they, they kind of pep up and that turns me on like that's if you ask what keeps me going it's that idea that you just have a bunch of questions now because I've hopefully turned you on to this idea that high schools can change so I think you know in, in your situation with with getting people moving or getting you know, exercise to be more normalized or, or at least part of someone's uh, lifestyle. People want this. It's like a great business idea, I think, or a great idea is giving something to somebody that they already know they want, but they just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. And that's when you know you've landed on something perhaps real and lasting. Yeah. On that note, like, yeah. how, like, what were you seeing that made you realize that this is what people may need but they don't see that they want it if that's coming out right you know what I'm saying it, believe it or not it came from the kids it should have because if it was just my idea it probably wouldn't have worked like I had been in other high schools and kind of done informal questions and answers like what do you think uh, about the school that you currently are in do you like it you know yes no whatever and then just kept sort of asking and in fact last year or two years ago before this even started I was at a school uh, where literally I took a survey because I knew I was thinking about this idea and I just truly wanted to find out what teenagers that were 16, 17 and 18 were thinking. And one of the things that came out was this idea of moving around. And I, like, it, just, it just hit me that they were tired of being in a building all day. They get dropped off in the morning and then they have to stay there all day. And sometimes they can leave, but I mean, not this year, right? Mm. They're even more trapped. And this sense of freedom was what they were craving. They were tired of getting in trouble for um, maybe not wearing the right uniform or maybe not being in the right class at the right time. You could sense at that age that they wanted more freedom to move around. So I got thinking about how universities kind of run in that campus idea and, and just got thinking about Dundas as a campus. Like what if the community was our campus? 
And literally, that was the turning point with Tony Evans, my co-founder, because the number one expense for schools is a building. <laughs> so when I said to him, what if we don't need a building? He literally said, you're hired. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was one of those things, right? And But more, more to the point, like Dundas had it all. Like we were looking at, well, where would we do history? Oh, there's a history museum. Where would we do art? Oh, there's an art school. Like one of the best art schools in Ontario. One of the only private art schools in Canada. Well, what about, you know, nature and science? Like, oh, we're surrounded by escarpment and trails and, and the beauty and the waterfalls of this area. Unbelievable. So everything, and then McMaster down the street. Mm -hmm. So everything kind of fell into place and I realized if I gave kids the freedom to kind of roam around between classes in a sense, like sure, they have to show up for class, but we created a schedule that made sense to them. We start at 10 o'clock in the morning, which they love. Like, who wouldn't? Um, and if they need to leave early, some of them had music lessons, no problem. Like, we wanted to fit it into their life. But the big thing was, was them moving around. And it, you'd actually be surprised at the resistance. It was the parents who felt that that wouldn't be a good idea, not the kids. Mm -hmm. The parents were like, well, what happens in the winter when everyone gets cold? And, and don't, they, don't they want to be safe and put their coat in a locker? And you ask the kids, no, <laughs> they actually don't. They get bored of a space at that age very quickly, 45 minutes, an hour, let's move. Let's go for a walk, let's go, you know, and, and lunchtime is the same thing. You got an hour, where do you wanna go? They, I don't care where they go. You know, I'm not keeping track of them. So it's a little bit like, I think of the Spider-Man thing with, with great freedom comes great you know, responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like when you lend that freedom to adolescents, the ones that at least are coming to my school so far, knock on wood, um, have treated me back with that same respect. I have not had a single incident of things that you think teenagers might get into, like vaping and, and so on. It hasn't happened. And even if it does happen, it's not like it's an automatic suspension. It becomes a conversation. That's the dignity piece. Why are you doing this? Maybe you want to do this more than what you're learning. Okay, go ahead. Go, go and do that. But here are the consequences. You know, you, you can't be part of this school because we're going to be doing this and this and this is what we believe in. So it, it, it's we're trying in every decision that Tony and I make, it's not about, well, the first thing we say is what would a normal school do? And then we try and do the opposite. <laughs> partly because of the point of difference, but also partly because we think it's right. Yeah, I have, I have a couple, bunch of bunch of thoughts there. Um, number one, it's, it seems like education is constantly... You know, whether you're looking at, you know, uh, the youngest age group or the oldest age group, you're constantly sort of um, seeking to provide the right amount of independence. And, I, I, you know, I, um, you know, whether you're looking at a toddler or, you know, a, um, uh, you know, or a teenager, right? Yeah. Um, which it's, it's so cool to hear you sort of speaking to that. I'm just thinking of like raising my kids right now, you know, um, and, and always like, giving that giving that freedom at the right the right moments and, and allowing them to explore right and um, and develop right yeah it's the uh, Montessori called it freedom within limits like she mentioned it's a hundred years ago she's actually writing this down and any parent knows this kind of intuitively like it starts off in the in the park right if you've got a four-year-old and you, you know this Don like they want you right there on the slide or at the bottom of the slide or right there by the swing as they get older, they want you on the bench, you know, watching them. They want to know that you're there because they're going to say, hey, dad, 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 you know, look at me. But then I've someone described once that parenting is just that gradual sort of radius growing.
like a concentric circle outward so that they still know you're there. That's the, that's the limit of your boundary that you've created. But they crave that freedom because within that freedom comes falling down and failure and hurting yourself and getting back up and demonstrating uh, you know, when you do succeed and, and all those things. Uh, it's really a metaphor, I think, for, for growing up. So what I found in high schools was kind of the opposite where it, it starts off that way very, very well. But then there's this sort of seriousness that comes cracking down, which is really unrealistic. And I've actually even described it as a myth. I think it's a bit of a myth that in the last two years of high school, things have to get serious mm -hmm. because then you've got to get into that school of your choice. And it becomes this top-down thing where all of a sudden the universities and colleges are telling us how we should learn based on what they need for admissions like what they need for mm -hmm. application and that's the wrong way it should yeah. be it should be an exploration of what your interests are and you all know from going to post-secondary like your first year becomes like mm -hmm. oh I, I thought this would be good I don't like it anymore like you switch your majors you you even switch schools sometimes but I think we do a disservice to the teenagers especially when we say oh you've got to get this done by grade 12 or you're gonna fail or your life's gonna be over or you have no future it's ridiculous it's really interesting you kind of bring up the point of like uh, admissions to universities and that's a whole another conversation there you know how do you differentiate a uh, you know 3.99 from a 3.98 and, and you know really how you should be is through personality and where'd you, and where'd you get those numbers this 3.9 yeah, what are you talking about wow. this SATs or were you American uh, Oh, is that a GPA? GPA. GPA. Yeah. That's a right. high GPA, though. Holy. Right. But either way, I was, you know what I was He's thinking a smart was guy. my transition. My transition. But you get the point, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, like the numbers are so like, how do you differentiate that upper, upper, upper tier? You know what I mean? It, it almost feels like. Well, I'm, and is that the most important thing too? Yeah, that's it. Right. Great questions, yeah. right? Like, is it the most important mm -hmm. thing? I mean, it probably still is a, to a certain extent. Like Depending. what? Depending, but yeah, Queens, of course, different universities that are really hard to get into. But what we're noticing, even with some post-secondary places, is because of that very thing, how do we differentiate? They're looking at the secondary aspect of who this whole child is. And that is their portfolio. We call it in, in sight school, um, their extraordinary portfolio. Like, what makes you who you are? And how does that make you different than someone who just has a really high average? So one of the things that, that kids will do over the three years of site school is we run a local market. So they'll have experience, actual experience of running a market. They had to find the vendors. They had to go to the insurance company and get the insurance. Like they deal with all the money coming in. These are real experiences that also look and sound pretty cool mm -hmm. on, on a resume and, and on an application to a university. Um, and then as much as possible, we do co-ops with local businesses. We, we have, like I said, real-world projects where um, the kids did, for instance, last year an exhibition with the History Museum. So their name was up on the wall. They curated and found artifacts down in their basement and put together a little section of the 1920s uh, exhibition that was happening. And that, again, is something that can, you can talk to, to the admissions person. You can put because all these uh, universities expect you to write an essay. Mm -hmm. of who are you and what are you doing so if you've got nothing to say or, or let's say the same thing to say as everyone else that's not going to get you noticed so we we feel having an extraordinary three last three years of high school where you're doing awesome things that you're proud of doing is going to make you not only keep wanting to learn but really impress that that school of your choice what do you hope like kids 
feel when they leave side school? Like when they graduate? Like what do you hope that they feel feel like? I hope that they forget about us completely. And I, <laughs> and I actually mean that in the best possible way because you shouldn't really understand um, the beauty and benefit of your childhood until, like, until you reflect on it later. Like how many of us have looked back and go, oh, that hometown I wanted to get out of so badly is actually pretty cool. Or that school that I kind of hated that one friend or, or was bullied was actually full of really nice teachers. So I think looking back, I, I tease all the kids. I say, so when you invite me to your wedding, you know, so I'm hoping to get a bunch of free, <laughs> free wedding meals at a moment. But I think it's going to be that case of when they go to university or meet other people coming from, you know, across the, the province, across the country. My hope is that they, they find like-minded people, first of all. Um, they find a program that they're interested in. But that they also find that they're so ready to think outside of the box, to be entrepreneurs. Like they're not afraid to put their hand up, to have opinions. All these things that I think in some ways we, we teach out of kids. Totally. Um, and so then they, and we've seen it happen in universities where they then just want to, again, get the highest mark. They're thinking automatically of what job am I going to get when I graduate instead of what's going to make me a better person. Or who am I going to meet while I'm here? Because that's, that's the beauty of, of going to school, I think, is not only what you're going to learn, but who you're going to meet. How many business partners have formed because you've met at school? How many great creative partnerships have met at school? Like, you think of the Rolling Stones. Like, they all met at art school, design uh, school in London and stuff. So I think that's the unknown quantity of education that is not talked about a lot, is that social, emotional aspect. So... That's a long way of answering mm -hmm. your question, but literally I'm hoping they have their curiosity intact and their confidence soaring. But if they forget about who I am and what they took <laughs> and what date, you know, which war was that? I don't care. <laughs> you know, nobody remembers that stuff. Yeah. It's funny though, like something you've mentioned a lot is freedom, right? Uh, and I, when I hear that, I think of creativity, you know, because you've got this freedom and you're moving and you're exploring and I think that would lend itself to being you know allowing your to them to explore creativity and I'm curious like has that manifested in your school like and how do you let it uh, come about yeah it's another great question it there's a lot of trust involved and trust only ever happens when you you spend time with someone and it's like an unconscious permission to risk, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Kids pick up on it. Other adults pick up on it. Is this somebody that I'm going to be able to, to riff off of, to have ideas with? Are they just going to criticize me and slam me down? So I try and have a situation at my school where I'm getting out of the way as much as possible and kind of only coming into a conversation if I feel it's way off the mark or inappropriate um, I call these sort of thruster adjustments. Like if you can imagine like <laughs> kids sort of wandering off into space and yeah. you have to go, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> and it's the tiniest adjustment, right? Just right. in orbit. Uh, Montessori calls them guides, but at our level, we actually call ourselves curators, which is a bit cheesy, but I love that idea that I'm just putting together interesting things for you to look at or dismiss or spark an idea with. And I think because there's, there's a, a lot less top-down like you have to do this here and you have to do that there the the kids pick up on that freedom that you mentioned 
with freedom comes some obviously control because you're still trying to guide them and, and give them rules yeah. and order. So finding that balance, and I'm just curious how you guys cultivate that yeah, at that, site school. That was sort of one of Tony and I's initial conversations. Like we didn't want this to be a hippie school, and I, I hate to use that because I love hippies. <laughs> like I actually love that whole era, and I think so much uh, of our creative culture comes from that that sense that you don't necessarily need boundaries. But if you look back, a lot of that freedom didn't necessarily end up in, in great places. So there is this constant tension between how much structure is needed and, and how much freedom should be given. And my only sort of rule that I keep every day sort of hidden is intuitively find out what that means with each kid and, and each day. There are some days when we need more structure. Like mm -hmm. sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes the weather presents itself as a fairly harsh thing. It's, it's really raining or it's really, really cold. And you can sense in kids almost that sense of what are we doing next? Like, what, they want to know that they're protected. It's a weird, goes back to, you know, probably our around the campfire type, type thing. Um, so in those days, I increase that sense of structure that they're going to get. And then other days, I get a sense that they just really want to carry this conversation, especially when there's current events. Like, COVID was not the time to go right back to normal schooling. It was the time to talk about feelings and the time to talk about what was going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that when we go back in a few weeks, it'll be the same thing. Um, with the, the election, the American election coming up, there's going to be lots of just, how do you feel about this world that seems to be falling around your feet? And that the adults did that. Like, this is the other thing that I'm starting to really realize the responsibility of teaching adolescence is because we kind of screwed up a little bit and they know it. <laughs> so they need new heroes, they need new models, they need new uh, sense of purpose. And if that doesn't get across first, then the learning doesn't happen. You can't just expect the learning to happen. So the structure is there to kind of carry that emotional freedom. And then you judge on a per student per day basis whether that kid needs to be on their own, working independently, or everyone needs, like, oh, everyone's got the same problem? Let's all talk about this for half an hour. And then that becomes sort of structured in that sense. Now, the parents need more structure than the kids. The parents want to know, yeah. if I'm paying for this, right, am I actually going to, is my kid going to graduate at the end of this? And that's, of course, the, we, we can give high school diplomas. We want to prepare kids for university and, and make sure that they've got the right courses for the right Thing they want to get into so all of that takes place like we are a registered high school we are still providing everything that a normal high school would provide except all the things that high schools say they're providing and are not we are definitely providing like personalized learning how do you do personalized learning in a school of 1400 kids you can't we have 15 you know we want to grow but if we do grow we'll have sort of separate sites and by the way, SITE stands for, I don't know if you, you guys know, it stands for uh, Situated in Transformative Environments. So the only rule to SITE is that where we end up hanging our hat that day is a cool place, an interesting place, a place that inspires the kids and maybe hopefully represents a little bit of what they're learning. Why learn about you know, phys ed or healthy active living in a class when you could be doing that outside or in a place like this? It's so cool hearing about how individualized and personalized everything is, especially like given the context and the environment and how everything changes. I think it's such a 
you know, commonality that we share with what we do, you know, and I think we feel that ourselves, like we're guides also, yeah. you know, and it's very similar in that way. Yeah, which I, stuff that was cool. Yeah, really identifying the whys, right? And figuring yeah. out, you know, and, and the, what, the whys and the motivators, right? And, and what, you know, what's going to connect with that individual. Because you can't tell people what to do ultimately, and that would be the same with health, I think, and 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 fitness. It's you want to cultivate in them that that why, that want, um, to give them. We call it in education the, the intrinsic motivation to learn. If that intrinsic motivation to learn is not there, then it doesn't mean that they won't produce. They'll produce for a mark, but it won't last, mm -hmm. and it won't be something that they care about, and it probably won't be extraordinary. At the end of the day, so that's what yeah. we're all about. Now, do we get it right all the time? God, no, right? We're talking about kids. We're talking about adolescents. So when I say thruster adjustments, I, I mean that also has to do with the school itself. We're in our second year, and we're already changing things. We've learned a lot last year. For instance, um, we decided to do English and math all year long this year and spiral it all the way through, because last year. We did these intensive blocks of learning, which again is very different from most high school. We do six weeks of history and then six weeks of another subject. Because my belief was that if you plunge deeply into one subject, you actually get more out of it because you're constantly thinking about it, talking about it. The next day, you bring current events into that subject. Um, and that worked for, for most of the subjects. But for English and math, which are more skills, we realized that the kids were kind of missing some of those skills that they needed to kind of flow or spiral through all the other subjects. So that was the adjustment we made for this year. And so we listened to the parents, we listened to the students. Um, they independently last year started doing yoga. I think I was telling you, mm -hmm. yeah. it was around November, they organized, self-organized themselves, about five or six of them, to start doing yoga before class started. <laughs> That's awesome. Which nice. I thought was hilarious because when we started class at 10, I thought for sure that was going to start being a sliding scale yeah. of like 10.05, 10.15. But it actually went the opposite way. Because we started at 10, the kids felt that they could do something before school. And then they organized themselves to, to do some exercise because they felt the need um, to provide that. And again, it wasn't a school telling them, here's your extracurricular activity. It was them realizing that need of, oh, we really need to move around more. Yeah. Like that is to me, so cool. that's the intrinsic motivation that if you can capture, you're, not, you're, you're the rudder on the ship, but you're not, you're not driving the ship. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really, really neat. Um, geez, I had two really good thoughts and they just <laughs> <laughs> they slipped out of my That's all right. We know what we'll do is we'll go to, uh, you think about it, and we'll go to a couple like rapid fire questions, okay? So first well, one is favorite local restaurant. It could be Hamilton or Dundas area. Oh, it's got to be Dundas. I've loved lately Dundas shawarma. Okay. Yeah, I've gone in there, um, and I've had some bad shawarma experiences in my <laughs> past, but these were in bigger cities. Um, but the, the gentleman, I forget his name, who runs that, I think with his daughter, um, it's healthy uh, ingredients, and it's just really, really filling and really worth what you get, I think. So I'll, I'll often choose that now over like a pizza or over when I'm having sort of my fast food right. craving. Yeah. Right, yeah, I'm a big shawarma guy. I'll yeah. have to try that out. Um, favorite way to stay active? Loving the trails. You know, I got hat off to Don 
uh, last year was showing me a lot of them. Um, I hadn't really explored them and am still blown away by the fact that I'm still finding new trails. Like it doesn't seem to be, and there doesn't seem to be an end point to how many trails in this area that there actually are. And whether you're walking or in, in our case, we were running them sometimes, a lot of the times, just finding that peace, you know, in nature. And it's only like a five minute walk from the downtown core. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's there, it's right there all around you. And you just have to go out and, and find it. It's beautiful. It's given us that big hug. It's given us that big hug. That's so good. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. Um, who do you think we should talk to on the podcast? Who do you think I should, oh, we should talk to? I would say everyone. Yeah. Like so, anyone that maybe like voice on the street. Like don't be afraid. Yeah. Back in the day, I remember uh, radio show, they, they called it Vox Pop. Because I'm a media student, right? And Vox Pop was like, man on the street. <laughs> uh, poor woman, poor woman. Um, I think they could be, there's a lot of energy and believe yeah. it or not, I, people like to talk about themselves. It's sort of a, it's a strange flattery that, that kind of happens. So. Yeah. And then favorite uh, experience that you had with site school, let's say in the last year, I'm sure there's a lot, but one that stands out to you. Wow. There's, there's literally so many because the potential of the students blew me away all the time. I think when we had our first market day, we did our market at Sean and Ed's uh, Brewery, which is just across from you guys. Yeah. And the kids had run the whole thing and gotten the vendors and gotten the insurance company. And they were, they were, they were going there early to set up the signs that they had made. Now, as an experienced teacher, I had all of the uh, feeling that this was just gonna go south. Right? <laughs> that there's always the kid who didn't do their the thing they were supposed to do that night and, and, and whatever. But when I arrived at about 1.30, the kids had got there at 12.30, I was amazed. I walked into a buzz of activity. Tables were being moved, uh, you know, buntings were being put up and signage and everything. And it just seemed like it was happening. And then vendors started arriving and we ended up having like a, a dozen different vendors. And then people started arriving and I didn't do anything. And as a teacher to see that happening, I mean, I shouldn't say I didn't do anything I started in school, but it was that moment of, wow, yeah. this is, or again, it's organizing itself. Self-organized systems, when they run beautifully, are one of the most amazing things to witness because you know that this is something that people want and they're being nice to each other and it's yeah. working. It's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, last thing to wrap up, we've been asking all our guests this, um, what does it mean to move local to you? To move local? Mm -hmm. Uh, automatically, I would say it means to to walk or bike to the place. And I drove here today, so <laughs> I feel I feel bad. But that's only because I literally had to take some trash to the dump uh, on the way. But I would I live local, and so I pretty much use my bike to get any anywhere. All my classes are within a bike or walking distance, and that's what I love about about Dundas for sure, and why I, I decided this would be the perfect place. To have a campus because everything is within a 15-minute walk including those amazing trails that we talked about yeah so. awesome well thank you for your time appreciate it uh it was a, it was a really you. insightful conversation like i think we hit a lot of like really good things um i think education is a big topic and i think it's a big topic now so it's it's awesome to get like a different perspective um and something that's a little bit out of the norm 
um, I think it's important for people to, to hear those perspectives and listen. So thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Well, thank you guys. I wish you all the best. Awesome. Sure. Nice.